Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. This is a podcast where I talk about ancestral eating and plant medicine and detoxing and just other wellness and holistic health things that I'm currently into and yeah, and learning about. And I love to just share it in this space. So thank you for tuning in. This week, I have an episode for you with Dr. Russell Jaffe. And it was really, really interesting talking to him. We dove into a lot of different topics, um, a lot about very specific things. We talked about raw milk, of course, but we also talked about different cleanses that you can do, like a vitamin C cleanse. And we also talked about functional age and blood sugar and HbA1c and a whole lot of things. He recently put out a book and I kind of went through that and picked out different things that I just wanted to know more about. And he is such a wealth of knowledge in this space. And I really learned a lot from this episode. So definitely I will put everything in the show notes for you, but keep a pen and paper near you because there's probably things that you're going to want to write down from this one. I definitely did. And I am looking into some of the things that he talked about and some of the things that he mentioned. So yeah, it's very, very informative. And I want to do a quick shout out to some of the reviews I've gotten lately. There's been a bunch and I got one that actually made me laugh out loud, mostly because of the title. And the title is My Bio Has Been Hacked, which I thought was hilarious. Five stars. And this person says, wonderful show. And I've learned so much. And then there's a little fox emoji, which is funny. And this is by Iowa David from the US via Apple Podcasts. So thank you so much for that funny review. I just love the title. Like my bio has been hacked is a wonderful, (laughs) a wonderful synopsis or conclusion to come from this show. So thank you for that. As always, like you, you can leave reviews anywhere. Most of them really matter on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Spotify is becoming very focused on podcasts actually. So they have this certain podcasts that only are on Spotify now, like Joe Rogan and some of these other really controversial ones. And they are really focusing on providing a better podcast experience for listeners. And so part of that is being able to review podcasts right on their platform, which you can do now. So feel free to do that. I read every review. And so I really value, yeah, I just really value when people take the time to do that. And even though it takes a couple minutes, not everybody does it and it's hard to get them. So I appreciate when, you know, do fill them out and a shout out to the sponsors of this week, mostly is silver biotics and inside tracker. So silver biotics, I am still using on my dog. Moose has yeast underneath his paws and we're trying to get rid of it. Silver basically breaks down and kills bad bacteria, bad fungus, bad growth, essentially any like microbes that come in contact with it. And that includes yeast and moose has yeast under his paws. We live on the West coast. So it's very damp here and very 
just wet and the ground and our garden and backyards, like always wet. It's definitely from that. Like they, even though we dry his paws every single time he comes in inside fungus and mold and yeast really like damp environments and his paws are very damp. So it makes sense that this has happened. And now we're just trying to get rid of it and kill it off and support him. And then also a quick shout out to inside tracker. I, am getting my new test done soon. And I really value their insights. A lot of the biological age stuff is really interesting. And as well as like I talked about on Instagram this week, reducing my HbA1c levels and kind of keeping my blood sugar in a healthier space. And it's been, I don't have a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor right now. I will likely have one probably within the next year, especially with levels coming out and hopefully shipping internationally soon. And I'm basically waiting for them to do that. And then I'll, and then I'll reach out to them and I'll get one. But in the meantime, testing through inside tracker and having my HbA1c level tested, which is your blood sugar over the last 90 days, it really just kind of shows you where you're at and it's a good snapshot. So I kind of do this every quarter and I, I keep on top of it in that way. And in this podcast episode, actually, we talk about this. We talk about getting tested, not leaving it up to you guessing, and kind of you're going through the day in and day out, and you're having these blood sugar irregular irregularities, and you're crashing, and then you're hyper, and then you're crashing, and then you do a, a check-in with your doctor at one point, and you're pre-diabetic or you're diabetic. And so it's kind of like taking that lens and that step of being preventative and being proactive so that it doesn't lead to that. A lot of us are, you know, blood sugar isn't as great as it should be. And I really, really encourage people to look further into this. It's very easy to eat crappy food, processed food, junk food, things that come in boxes, basically. And it's really easy to overeat and also drink a lot of alcohol and kind of make these decisions that might feel good in the moment, but definitely do add up and really can wreak havoc on our blood sugar levels. And the thing is like with just this note on blood sugar and insulin and HbA1c, it doesn't end there right? If you get these tests done and your levels aren't great, that's not the last thing in the cascade of health problems that are going to come from this. And this might sound like doom and gloom type of idea, but it's just reality of when your insulin levels and your blood sugar levels are off, it impacts all of your other hormones. So it impacts your sex hormones. And for women, it impacts how our menstrual cycle shows up. Most women who have things like PCOS also have insulin resistance or also dealing with poor blood sugar level management. And so there is a cascade of effects and we that's why it's so important, right? Like it's not just about preventing diabetes or anything like that. It's also preventing hormonal issues entirely. And that leads into fertility issues and other things that can come down the line, like endometriosis and even further things, right? Like when we look at menopause and premenopausal and how we as women go through that as well. So it all relates. And so that's why I really, really advocate for preventative health measures and being proactive. And that's kind of my approach and 
yeah, where I've stood for a long time and probably will always talk about. But I know it's hard for people because it's access to these tests. It's the financial component as well. And so it's hard to kind of justify making these decisions when you might not be having any symptoms. But I would counter that to say that if you don't get tested and you don't get checked and looked at yearly or more than that, you will pay the price more in the future when you have to pay for more doctor's visits or more medicine or more all sorts of things. And so it it kind of all evens out. So what I would say is be proactive and be preventative about it. Enjoy this episode. There are a lot of golden nuggets like I talked about, and I will catch you next week for another one. If you're not following me on social media, please do so at biohacking Brittany. I'm on TikTok at biohacking and I'm on, yeah, obviously I have a website, biohackingbrittany.com. I actually, I guess I'll just plug this quickly. I actually launched a new free guide and I haven't talked about it yet. So this is the first time I'm talking about it. It is called six benefits of raw milk and how to find it. Now, every time I talk about raw milk, my messages blow up and I actually can't keep up with the messages. I kid you not. And so I put all of the information into one place and there's five different ways for you to find it. And there's six different benefits and you can download this right on my website and it's free. So go for it. It's right there for you. It's waiting. I will be promoting it on socials very soon. And yeah, it kind of just helps break down the science behind raw milk as well. And my thoughts on it and how I've been able to find it, even though it's illegal in Canada, which is absurd. So am I helping you find an illegal substance? Yes, that is what I'm doing. And that is fine. (laughs) So go download that, take a look and let me know what you think and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so thrilled and excited about today's guest. We have Dr. Russell Jaffe on the show. And like I was just saying to him right before this, he wrote this unbelievable book that is all about holistic living and basically biohacking and how to be healthy in today's world. And we're going to dive into that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but he is a physician and a scientist, a leader in the functional medicine space. And he focuses on a East meets West approach, which I love. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Amazing. So how did you get started on your journey of combining Eastern and Western principles and values? Well, I was a physician trained in Boston in internal medicine and biochemistry. I was on the staff at the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, and I heard that an acupuncturist on MacArthur Boulevard in Washington, D.C. could get results that we could not get. His name was Queen Nguyen Wu. He is the basis for the song Dr. Wu, if you go that far back in rock and roll history. And I did a seven-year apprenticeship with Queen. I did five years in Ayurvedic medicine and yoga with Ramamurti Mishra, who was a physician extraordinaire and wrote the textbook on uh, commentaries on Patanjali Sutra and textbook of yoga psychology. And then I had 30 years with a Cambodian Buddhist monk named Bhante Dharma Wara. And he was 
quite extraordinary. He taught me a, a non-invasive collar healing system that I teach to people to this day. And it did take me 50 years to write the book, but it took me a long time to have something to say. I love that. And I love that you actually didn't rush it. I think that's actually, yeah, I really respect no, there that. Were, there were a number of times when I thought I had an idea for a book and then Ian Ornish would do that book or Andy Wow would do that book or Mark Hyman would do that book or one of my colleagues would do it quite well. And I didn't think I could do it better. So I'm actually very lazy, but I finally, we will do two books a year through the Health Studies Collegium Press for the indefinite future. One book will be for consumers on how to survive the 21st century. And one book will be more technical for health coaches through physicians to understand physiology more than pathology. And I'm a doubly board certified pathologist. I love pathology. But when you look through the lens of pathology, you see illness. When you look through the lens of physiology, you see hope. Oh, I love that. I just love that. Oh my gosh. I thought it was interesting in your book. So the book for everyone listening is called Thriving in the 21st Century. And I thought it was interesting in the book, in the beginning, you have this section called Skeptic to Advocate. And I think I've heard this narrative a lot from people of being skeptical of certain healing modalities. And then somehow they kind of start doing it and they realize the power of it. And then they just advocate it for to everybody. So why do you think like that is so common for people to go through that journey just like you did? Well, I'm fairly typical. I was trained in mechanistic reductionistic medicine the so-called Descartian mistake, if you will. I did not have room in my life for more than pathology and pharmacology and accepted symptom reactive care. Then I picked my head up because I was fortunate enough to be on the senior staff of the NIH before the age of 30. I picked my eyes up, my head up, and I realized that if you went upstream, to look at the causes of problems, you could prevent a lot of problems. We bury a million people a year in America due to diabetes, nutritional deprivations, and the stress of the healthcare system. We bury half a million people a year from diabetes. Diabetes kills, diabetes costs, but diabetes is a lifestyle choice. And so much of what we see as chronic illness today is lifestyle choice. 92% of your lifetime health are the choices you make every day about what you eat and drink, think and do. It's all of the above, but it's eat and drink, think and do is 92%. You can only blame mom and dad for 8%. And even that might be a little less because of epigenetic influences on the genetic code and transgenerational influences on life. Yeah, I really love how just in general, I think we're moving towards this understanding of how important our lifestyle is and how it does impact everything, kind of like what you said from, you know, diabetes to preventing disease to all sorts of things like that. So I, I do understand but still, that. But still, when you go to your doctor today, mostly the doctor knows about pharmacology and symptoms and how to reduce the symptoms, not get to the cause. So I really, well, we have the PIH Academy. We are now in the fourth year of training professionals from health coaches to physicians and dentists and chiropractors and naturopaths in the use of physiology 
and functional biochemistry to prevent ill health. We save a trillion dollars a year by saving the million lives a year that we can save with what we know today. And yes, we always need more studies, but with what we know today, we can save a million lives and use a trillion dollars to speed the transition from sick care to healthful caring. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I actually just posted on Instagram a couple of days ago asking for MD recommendations in like my local area. And what I said was like, I'm looking for somebody who is a medical doctor, but is actually very progressive and is not going to tell me to take pharmaceuticals if at the first sign of an issue. And I'm curious, you just talked about the PIH, like, would you recommend for anyone who's in a boat like me, who's looking for a doctor to go through that and try and find somebody with that certification? Well, yes. First of all, we maintain a clearinghouse of physicians who have been trained in what we do nationally. So you can call 800-553-5472. You can call 800 525-7372. You can reach me at drrusselljaffe.com. That's a website, drrusselljaffe.com. And that website will offer you a number of free downloads, including uh, the food effects on body chemistry chart, including four self-assessments that you can start with to determine how healthy you are. And then you might want to move on to the eight, just eight tests of epigenetics, eight tests of lifestyle. These eight tests, if they're interpreted to best outcome goal value, not some statistical range, but best outcome goal value can be the basis for a lifestyle program that we include in the interpretation of the predictive biomarker tests. Yeah, you definitely mentioned a bunch of those things in your book. And as I said, like I was reading through it this morning, I know you kind of touched upon this briefly before, but the main inspiration behind your book, was it just to provide something to the main public that was like, hey, look, this is what you need to be doing every day in order to prevent future issues? Or was there anything else that was kind of driving you to do it? Yeah, the honest answer is... I live in Vienna, Virginia, on a permaculture biodynamic food forest where I watch the squirrels and the raccoons and the fox and the deer and the chipmunks cavort about. Now, I wanted to reach millions of people, but I didn't want to leave the paradise that I live in. So I do a lot by Zoom and podcast. I do a lot by teams and other media, social media and others. And I am finding that it's not as good as being there, but it's almost as good as being there. And then because travel has become a burden rather than a pleasure, I now do road trips. If it's east of the Mississippi, I can get there by car. So I don't have the stress. Well, I have I have a person named Daniel, who's my chief of staff, who does the driving for me because I should be doing creative things, not driving. So I'm very fortunate. But I wanted to get the message out that your life depends on what you eat and drink, think and do, that in 72 minutes a day, you can renew and restore yourself, that 
if you have autoimmune problems or cardiovascular problems or cancer problems or chronic illness problems or problems with your joints or bones, there are things that we know today that can reverse, not just stop or slow the loss, but we know that there are ways of reversing all of those catastrophes, all of those maladies. And yes, you want an integrative practitioner. You want a holistic practitioner. You want someone who is knowledgeable about TCM and Chinese medicine, as well as American medicine. When I started in this field, there were very few MDs, but today there's an American Acupuncture Medical Association with hundreds of members, mostly trained through UCLA, a program started by a friend of mine. And I think now is the time for us to recognize that the 21st century is dramatically different than the 20th or the 19th. It's more stressful. It's got more toxins. And therefore, we have to up our game of the antioxidant, anti the vitamins, the minerals, the cofactors that get eaten up, get used up by the pro-oxidative harm. Today, there are forever molecules. There are solvent residues. There are toxic minerals. There are mold products. There are radioisotopes, all of which we have to counteract with what we eat and drink, think and do. Yeah. I mean, so I'm in Canada and I'm just outside of Vancouver and I'm definitely going to look into some of these recommendations that you've had for practitioners because exactly like you said, I think it's really important to have somebody who has a holistic and integrative view. And I know a lot of people are looking for this. And honestly, there's quite a few people in the States who do it, but I'm not sure about Canada. So Canada, you have a national health system in the Vancouver area. You're very fortunate to be in the Vancouver area, but you should look up Eckhart Tolle, T-O-L-L-E and the power of now. And the few physicians who have gathered around Eckhart would be good candidates for this kind of comprehensive care. You might also look to Victoria Island, where for many, many years, Abram Hoffer led the orthomolecular world from Victoria Island in Canada. And then there is the, there's a prize for the annual person who has made the biggest contribution to holistic comprehensive care. And I can't think of the name of the, it's named for a person. I had met him. He's a lovely, lovely man who inherited a trust fund and didn't know what to do with it. So he set up this award, but it's out of Vancouver. So there are practitioners that are integrative, holistic, comprehensive in the Vancouver area. And you might look for an orthomolecular practitioner. You might look for a member of the Canadian Holistic Medical Association, someone like that. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. And I will definitely link to some of that in the show notes for everybody. Oh, and the 800 numbers that I gave work in Canada. Oh, great. Okay, good. That's awesome. So I kind of want to get into a bit of like the nitty gritty of your book, some very like specific things that I pulled out and read and have some questions about. So first of all, I definitely want to talk about nutrition as somebody who is a holistic nutritionist myself. I have, you know, education and experience in the space and found your chapters on it, obviously very interesting. And obviously I've read quite a bit similar to it before. What are your thoughts and opinions on raw milk and the legality issues of it that we're currently facing? Well, if we start with raw milk, that's a very complicated subject. And in, in just a few 
seconds, let me try to do it justice. If the animal is entirely grass-fed, if the animal never, ever eats grains, if the milk that comes out is assayed, is tested, to make sure that there are no pesticides, biocides, you'd be surprised even a grass-fed, organically-fed animal can still have harmful chemicals in their milk. I happen to know this issue very well because many years ago, I got Heptachlor out of the island of Oahu so that George Ariyoshi could get reelected so that 7,800 milking cows wouldn't have to be incinerated and so that women wouldn't have to worry about the daily dose of Heptachlor and Heptachlor epoxide in their breast milk that came from the milk supply. It came from the milk supply. There's a famous picture of the people from the health department in Oahu taking the milk out of, of baskets from people because yesterday the milk was legal and today it's not. So you have to be very, very careful, even about raw milk. Now, if you make raw milk into cheese, that's interesting. But I prefer sheep cheese and goat cheese. They are much closer to human nature. Cow's milk is made for an animal that gains 50 pounds a day. Cow's milk is not made for people. Cow's milk is not the same as breast milk. Cow's milk is different than sheep milk and goat milk, which I happen to like made into chevre or fresh made cheese. So I have a little bit of that, but I generally recommend, I generally prescribe, if you will, no dairy because there are too many ways of getting contaminants in and there's too little benefit from including it in the diet. So this is an example of where I would differ from most. Most people would say that raw milk is a good thing. It's a better, well, raw milk is definitely better than commercial milk, but I mean, it's a human food. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, so I drink raw goat milk and it took me a long time to find a supplier. And I've, I know I've spoken to the farmer over the phone, like asking, what does it eat? You know, what do the goats eat? All of these types of things. And I find it actually is okay as somebody who sometimes can be lactose intolerant and I've had my genes tested. So I know that's a thing for me. I am fine with it, but it is, it is very nutrient dense, but it's also very calorie dense. Like you said, ah, so, no, no, it should be a condiment in your diet, not exactly, a staple in your diet. Exactly. For exactly that reason. There are too many concentrated calories. Now they may be yummy, but they're still calories. Yes, exactly. So that's why like when you read a lot of blogs about it or you hear people talk about it, it's really great for weight gain. Like if you are a bodybuilder or you're trying to put on weight, like go for it. But in large consumption every day, probably not your friend. But more to that point, if you're building up your body intensively, you should stretch intensively. And more importantly, you should be concerned about the difference between hypertrophy and hyperplasia. Hypertrophy means your muscle cells get big, and as soon as you stop exercising, they get boggy and flabby. You don't want that, but that's what you get when you take too much protein and too much fat and too much salt and too much sugar. What you do want is hyperplasia. You want to make more new, healthy, strong muscle cells. And we have a book coming out on healthy bones, healthy joints, and healthy muscles for life. Great. Please send that to me <laughs> when it comes out. 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think in general, my thoughts are raw milk is better than pasteurized milk and what we're buying. I also think homemade nut milk is way better than the nut milk that we're also seeing in stores right now that no, have exactly like right. no, I'm, 10, I'm, I'm 15 so ingredients. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you pointed that out. You can make healthy nut milk at home very inexpensively, very easily, and it's yummy. It really is yummy. And the commercial so-called plant-based milks are often not so okay. So you should make things at home that you enjoy, that should be easy to make because you know how to do it. You follow the instructions. And then you have the satisfaction of knowing that you're really nourishing yourself. Yeah, Exactly. And it's more of a whole food at that point, right? And it's less processed. So if you're taking like walnuts and water and you're making milk out of it, that's two ingredients. Like, yeah, you can add a bit of raw honey. That's three ingredients. It's not. No, no, let's stop. Let's stop. Because I say you're sweet enough as you are. No added sugar, not even (laughs) honey. Because if you use pecans or pine nuts or macadamia nuts or cashews or almonds, you can make a delicious, nutritious, mildly sweet nut milk with no honey. So I'm trying to give you the frame within which to survive in the 21st century. This is different than the 20th or 19th century. But actually, I say no grains, but lots of grasses, no cow's milk, but you can have some sheep and goat, no no meat, because meat concentrates the bad things, and it takes 50 pounds of grain to make one pound of meat. And there are too many hungry people who should be eating that grain. (laughs) How can you tell if your healthy and not so healthy decisions are impacting your health on a cellular level? or even impacting your biological age. Feeling better is one thing and having symptoms get better is one thing, but there's something completely different about having the data and the numbers behind it. This can be very helpful for both your short-term and your long-term goals. We need to be testing ourselves regularly so we know where we stand, whether it's testing our vitamin levels, cholesterol, blood sugar, whatever it is, the proof is in the data. It can be such a pain to get tested through our doctors and our clinics. And when we do these tests, often they don't even give us all the biomarkers that we ask for. That's why I love at-home tests. I find it super interesting to get my biological age test specifically because it indicates how all of my decisions are impacting me. Your biological age is a representation of your health conditions and a predictor of how soon you can exhibit chronic conditions of late life. This is obviously compared to our chronological age, which is just the amount of time that has passed since we were born. When I first got tested last year, my results said I was 19.7 years old. And the second time I was tested, it said I was 18 years old and I was 27 at the time. I recently got my biological age tested again through Inside Tracker's inner age test. And this time it said I was 22 years old and I'm now 28. My age actually went up. <laughs> and this is likely because my HbA1c levels were higher after spending 10 days in Costa Rica recently, where I had a ton of cocktails and fruit and carbs, and also just eating more carbs and processed food in the last few months. 
The great thing about Inside Tracker's Inner Age Test is that it actually shows you which specific biomarkers are making you older or making you younger. And it identified that my HbA1c needs to come down because it's actually making me older on a cellular level, which is so helpful to know and know what I need to be doing next. Knowing your age can help you make these changes and help you just really make smarter decisions and be more informed moving forward. I always get tested through Inside Tracker, and you can as well, and use my discount code at checkout, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. It's linked on my website underneath my shop, and it'll be on my show notes as well. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a component of the socioeconomic situation and consequences at play with every dietary choice that we make. Absolutely. Michael Pollan has an absolutely fabulous book on this. The, the, the way in which agribusiness has taken over our perception of what is and is not food. There are many things in the market that look like food, but they're really not. They're really constructed in a chemical plant. They are not grown on a farm. I want you to grow some of your own herbs. I want you to get acquainted with delicious, nutritious variety of fruits and vegetables. And how about sea vegetables? How about nuts and seeds and sprouts? How about edible flowers? And on and on. I want you to become acquainted with a wide variety of foods in a wide variety of ways. Yeah, I love that. I I have like my own little veggie herb garden growing in our place and we have strawberries growing that are sprouting soon. So it's exciting. And especially it's, I feel like gardening and that type of thing is like, once you start doing it, you learn more and more and you kind of, it becomes a hobby and you get great at it after a few years, after you see what works and what doesn't work. Yes. So you go into the garden, you move around, you have the joy of watching pollinators and things grow. I happen to have a permaculture biodynamic food forest in my front yard. We have 250 edible plants, including rosemary and arugula, including sage and basil and so forth and so on. But even if you have a few square inches, you can grow a few herbs. Rosemary is very easy to grow and it does wonderful things for lots of foods. Sprinkle some nutmeg into almost anything, it gets better. If you use salt, use Celtic traditional sea salt with 13% microminerals. No other salt has anything like that. No other sea salt is prepared in that way. I don't get a I don't get a commission from them, but I'm a big fan of Celtic traditional sea salt. Yeah, that's actually the sea salt that I always use. So I'm glad you recommend that as well. I found it interesting when I was going through your section on water and what type of water we should be drinking and being exposed to. And this is really tough. Like as somebody who lives in an apartment, like obviously I can't buy a full watering filter filtration system right now, but I've slowly been, you know, filtering my showers, bathtubs, and obviously filter the water that we drink. But I'm curious, like in terms of spring water, and I know there's like that spring water map, like it's called like spring water hunting, they call it now. But if someone is in a pinch and they're like, okay, I'm going to buy spring water from the grocery store, what are your favorite brands to recommend? Well, what I recommend is that you get a subscription from a water delivery company that delivers a five-gallon carboy. It's a big thing. It's about five gallons, but it's easy to tip 
the amount you want out of it, and you don't have to worry about filtering it. Because, yes, you should have a carbon block on your shower. Yes, you can try to filter your water, but you probably will never be able to get tap water to be drinkable according to my standards, my personal standards of drinking water. Now, I happen to live in two homes, but we have a well in both homes. So if you have deep water, well water, that's a good choice. That's a high mineral well water. Some towns have artesian wells where water is coming up out of the ground and you can just bring a jug and fill it up. If you're going to buy water, you must buy it in glass. Because if you buy it in plastic, some of the plastic will leach into the water and do bad things. So you look for the water in glass, like Pellegrino or Gerolsteiner or Apollinaire. I'm trying to think of the name. These are all what are called therapeutic high mineral waters. In fact, every one of those places where they get the water from used to be a healing center. People used to come to take the waters, and now they sell the waters. Yeah, I saw going through your book about the spring water delivery system or like delivery companies. Yes, yes. If I happen to like Pellegrino water, I like sparkling water in addition to the well water that we have, but I pay a certain premium to get that quality sparkling water. But the other side, what do mere mortals do when they have to survive? Well, if you have to deal with tap water in any way, you should increase your vitamin C and polyphenolics. You should increase your magnesium and choline citrate. You should increase your vitamin D intake. Yes. Yeah. We're And I definitely want to get into vitamin C in a second, but do you know, and this is just me being asking for my Canadian listeners, do you know of any Canadian brands that do deliver spring water? Because when I looked at the ones that you recommended, they were only in the US. And then the ones that I've seen in Canada deliver in plastic. So I'm not sure if there's a better brand that does it in glass. Oh, I am surprised. I don't know the answer. I wish I did. You can find spring water in Vancouver province or British Columbia. Now, if they deliver it in polycarbonate, which is a blue, thick plastic that doesn't leach at all, they might do that because glass is heavy and breaks. And there is an intermediate. It is a plastic, but it doesn't leach any of the vinyl chlorides or any of the bad things. And so that to me would be an option. I would make sure it's polycarbonate plastic. I would make sure that it is really mineral water because a lot of places sell water that's just tap water bottled. Yeah, I've, I've read a lot about that, which is such a crazy scam. That's wild that people can do that. Yeah, um, unfortunately. But if, with your podcast and getting the word out about what's true and what's not, then the consumer is informed. Right, exactly. So jumping into vitamin C, kind of like what you talked about or when you mentioned it, I thought it was so interesting when you described the vitamin C cleanse. I have never heard of this. As somebody who does enemas and does like weird biohacking things, like I haven't heard of this. So can you describe it for everyone who is listening? Sure. If you want to know how much vitamin C your body needs, you need to take a certain amount of vitamin C every 15 minutes until you have what's called a cleanse or a flush, 
which is so distinctive that once you've had it, you will know what I'm talking about. It's like an enema from within. It's not just loose stool. It's not just bowel tolerance. This is the next generation because today you might need a lot of vitamin C, but you might not. And the way to find out is by using the C-Cleanse. If you're a healthy person, you take a half a teaspoon, which is a gram and a half every 15 minutes, and you'll flush or cleanse within two hours. If you're moderately ill, you take a teaspoon. And if you're chronically ill, you take two teaspoons every 15 minutes. Two teaspoons is six grams. Six grams times four is 24 grams in an hour, 48 grams in two hours. Most people will cleanse within that time. So the idea is to do once a week a determination of how much ascorbate you need using nature's vitamin C. And then you take daily between half and three quarters of that amount spread throughout the day. And that meets your vitamin C needs given the toxins that we're exposed to. Okay. So can you use sodium ascorbate for that? No. No. We recommend using calcium, magnesium, potassium, and zinc so that whether you need 1, 10, or 100 grams of vitamin C, you still get balanced minerals. The reason you shouldn't use sodium ascorbate is because it has sodium in it. And if you need as much vitamin C as people often need, you would get way too much sodium, and that would hurt your kidneys. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So basically, this is a test that shows you kind of your toxicity levels in terms of like the more vitamin C you need to have this specific bowel movement, the more cleansing your body needs, the more toxic buildup you have type of idea. That's exactly what it says. You can now determine for each individual how much ascorbate they need based on how much toxin they're getting exposed to. It is very hard, if not impossible, to actually quantify and measure the toxin exposures. We know the categories, but it's very hard to measure the individual items. But the C-Cleanse not only tells you how much toxin burden you have that you have to detoxify, it tells you how much ascorbate you need to rebuild your bones and joints and muscles, how much vitamin C you need for digestion, metabolism, and neurochemical function. Vitamin C is as important, according to Albert Sanz-Georgi, vitamin C is as important as light and oxygen in biology. Okay, so say you do this cleanse and you get the bowel movement at two teaspoons, which is six grams which you would do over two, no, was it two hours or one hour for that? Well, yes. If you're healthy, you take a half a teaspoon, which is a gram and a half. That would be six grams. If you're moderately, you take a whole teaspoon. And if you're chronically ill, you take two teaspoons because it's going to take a lot. Yeah. And so once you kind of establish, okay, I need this much, do you like, so now you're like, okay, this is how much vitamin C that I need. So how much of that do you take every day without doing the cleanse and without getting those bowel movements. Right. You only need to do the cleanse once a week. You do need to do the cleanse once a week to determine how much vitamin C you need for the next week. You need 50 to 75%, half to three quarters of the amount that causes the cleanse spread through the day. So if you need a bunch of vitamin C, you might get up in the morning, take a jogger's bottle, 
Put the amount of vitamin C in that you need to sip on throughout the day, fill it with water and sip on it throughout the day. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I know you like go into detail about this a lot in your book, which I appreciate. And I'm going to order, I'm going to order some of this and do it because I'm just so curious to see what my levels are at and how this feels and how it changes my body. And I'm, yeah, I'm just very curious about it. Please do. And let's come back and talk about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I noticed you talk about functional age in one part of your book. So how do you define functional age versus biological age versus chronological age? Yes. Your chronological age is more or less your biological age. That's on your birth certificate. That is marked at your birth and you are so many years old. What is much more important is your functional age. When Bonte was 106, we measured his functional age and it came out on all eight tests that we did, the eight tests that cover epigenetics, that he was functioning as about 35 to 40 years of age. Wow. And we put this information in front of him and he smiled and he said, 40 is a good age. I am, mm, I am 76, almost 76. I am functioning half at half uh, my biological age. I function as a 35 to 40 year old. And so it's through these specific eight tests that you figured that out. Yes, these eight tests, amazingly, because we screened 100,000 different lab tests to come up with the eight tests that cover all of epigenetics. Then we interpret them to the best outcome goal value, not to a statistical range for each individual. And then we provide a lifestyle program. If you're not at your goal value and you want to get there, here's what you would do. If you are at your goal value, you should celebrate. <laughs> I love that. So if people want to do this, would they reach out to you and your clinic in order to get this done? Or are there other places they can do it as well? It can be done in a variety of ways. It can be done in many physicians' offices. It can be done through betterlabtestsnow.com. Betterlabtestsnow.com is a portal for consumers in North America that provides access to these tests with interpretations without a doctor. Great. I love that. I will definitely link that in the show notes for everybody listening. And I will likely order it myself. Yeah. So I, I, was, I was going through some of your other test recommendations and like biomarkers that you think people should be aware of. And I thought it was interesting that you talk about HbA1c versus, and then later on, you also talk about continuous glucose monitors. So I get my HbA1c tested every quarter and I'm very cognizant of keeping it below 5%. And I don't really have diabetes in my family, even though we know that's only potentially 8% of what could be affecting me, but still, so I'm just very aware of it. And when I recently posted about this on social media, I had a bunch of people who said, HbA1c isn't actually that accurate. Like you should be using a continuous glucose monitor because it's testing you right in the moment. And it's an accurate measurement of your blood glucose levels rather than you looking in the past, but you in your book kind of say the opposite. So I'm curious of like where you stand with this. No, this is an area that I happen to understand fairly well because the hemoglobin A1c test was developed by Paul Gallup. It was published in 1967. I knew Paul very well. I have followed that test 
to the point where it is now the recommended all-cause morbidity mortality test. Now, there are certain situations where having continuous glucose measurement is helpful, but there is white coat hypertension. There is white coat hyperglycemia. If you just walk into a place with people wearing white coats, your blood pressure and your blood sugar go up. So I am not really a fan of continuous glucose measurement unless you do that full time. There are some people who are very brittle diabetics. There are some unusual cases, very unusual cases that need this kind of therapy. It is not a replacement for hemoglobin A1C. What you said is correct. You want it less than 5% for lots of reasons. And since I lost a certain amount of weight for the last five or six years, my hemoglobin A1C has been less than 5%. And yours can be too. Did you know that before the invention of germicides and antibiotics, it was known that disease-causing germs could not survive in the presence of silver? Thus, silver was used in dishware, drinking containers, and eating utensils. Whether it's a weak immune system, dry skin, eczema, sun damage, bad breath, or unhealthy gums, we are all looking for ways to optimize our health and reduce the symptoms we're facing on a daily basis. It's tough to know what remedy to try, what food may be causing the issue, or what will actually work in healing these symptoms quickly. Of course, there are somewhat effective solutions we can get from our local pharmacy, but as people who much prefer using the power of nature to heal, using these products doesn't really feel aligned with our values. Keeping our bodies strong is essential to good health. A strong immune system can protect your body from infection and helps us heal. Silver has been used for centuries for this reason and to prevent illness and recover from injury. Silver Biotics has taken the old technology of collodial silver and improved it to create the next generation of silver products. Silver Biotics has products for skincare, for issues like dry skin and eczema, and I'm currently using their skin gel on a few dry spots on my legs and stomach. They have oral health products, including a fantastic toothpaste that helps fight bad bacteria with its silver content, decreases bad breath, whitens teeth, and supports healthy gums. They also have a supplement, which I have been using as a mouth rinse and then swallowing as well because it's a liquid, and this supports the immune system from the inside out. To start using silver today, head over to silverbiotics.com or the shop on my website and use the discount code BIOHACKINGBRITTANY in all capitals to get 10% off today. That's silverbiotics.com with the discount code BIOHACKINGBRITTANY to try their silver products today. Yeah, it's interesting because in the biohacking world, we're seeing emergence of companies who are taking continuous glucose monitors and making it into a business for the average person. So it's like taking this medical device, putting a cool brand on it and selling it. It's a monthly subscription and it's expensive. Like it's not cheap. And everyone is so excited about it because now you can track this, you know? Well, people, especially in the biohacking community, get excited about what's new and trackable. 
I'm telling you that it's not necessary to do continuous glucose monitoring except in rare cases, and that hemoglobin A1C less than 5% is your goal value. If you need another measurement, it's fructosamine. This is another measure of how much sugar is stuck onto your proteins. You can actually see changes in fructosamine in as soon as one month, whereas usually with hemoglobin A1C, it takes three or four months because it depends on how long your red cells live. What about fasting insulin levels in the morning? Well, what about fasting? At a certain phase of your life, like the phase that I'm in now, I eat one meal a day. I get very well hydrated. I drink lots of broths and mineral waters and wine and other things, but I eat all of my calories in six hours. That seems to work better for me. I think people should experiment. Beyond that, I am very cautious about fasting. I am a big fan of twice a week having a liquid nutrient day. So you have lots of prebiotics, probiotics, and symbiotics. You have lots of things that make it easy for you to digest, assimilate, and eliminate, but you don't really deprive yourself of calories the way you would if you fasted for two or three or five days. I know there are places that will fast you for 30 days, but hopefully that's under the direction of someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very cautious with fasting for myself just because... I've found it can be really, can just impact my hormones and fertility really easily. But I will say again, I will say again, please try our liquid nutrient plan Mm. as the alternative to fasting. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So like on that subject, do you, this is just general recommendations now, do you have recommendations for all, like maybe not all, but some of the women out there who are struggling with irregular cycles or fertility issues, and it just seems like it's becoming more and more popular now. And your book is so comprehensive. So I'm just wondering if someone came to you and said, Hey, look, I'm struggling. Do you have general things that you recommend? Well, I can make some general helpful recommendations. If a person is willing to eat 80% of their calories from the alkaline forming side of the chart, this means lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of sea vegetables, this means sprouts and seeds and nuts, and very little high on the food chain foods. No grains, no grasses, no grains, but lots of grasses. Let me say that again. No grains, because grains are hard to digest and they, be, they become terribly contaminated, but you want lots of grasses. You want buckwheat and you want wild rice and you want quinoa and you want other grasses, which are easy, millet, which is easy to digest, assimilate and eliminate. It's easy on your digestion. Turns out your digestion is in intimate communication with your metabolome, your metabolism. This means that what goes on in your gut influences your mood, your hormones, your neurochemicals, how you feel and function. Then we move on to getting restorative sleep. Most of the people that have these problems don't get restorative sleep. If you follow our advice, you will get restorative sleep, but you would see a 30-minute preparation to move from the day to the night. Night is not just dark. Night is a different time when our rhythms, biorhythms, are different. So we recommend taking 30 minutes to prepare for restorative sleep, then stretching in bed or not, and getting restorative sleep, which helps with everything, 
especially your mood, your hormones, and your neurochemicals. Yeah, I agree. Like, and when I give recommendations, they're very similar. Like, it's all about lifestyle. Of course, nutrition is super important as well. But if you're not sleeping well and you're constantly stressed and you're not moving your body, like, those are such fundamental things to promote healthy hormones and healthy fertility. And so, just getting those down is really hard for a lot of people. So low hanging fruit for sure. Amen. And now vitamin D we should talk about in this context because it's really a neurohormone. We call it a vitamin, but it's really a neurohormone. And it's very hard for vitamin D to be absorbed from your intestines. So you should take drops under the tongue to bring your vitamin D level to 50 to 80 in the range of 50 to 80. The average person in Canada is probably less than 20. This increases your risk of cancer and heart disease and autoimmunity and all sorts of other things. You want your vitamin D to be 50 to 80. Some people say a little bit higher than that. I am, I am both aggressive and cautious at the same time. I want you to have all of what you need to survive and thrive in the 21st century. I don't think that more is necessarily better. Yeah. I also get my vitamin D levels checked every quarter and I do take a sublingual vitamin D3 K2 supplement. And vitamin D3 as a supplement is so easy to find now, which is great because a lot of us, like you said, should be taking it. So in terms of other recommendations that you have, something else that kind of comes up a lot that I see is weight loss. And especially after the pandemic, I think Everyone was kind of home for two years and not as active and not doing as much and also trying to manage the stress and overeating and all of these different things, all of these different factors. So other than the recommendations you've already said, are there specific things that you think that really move the needle for weight loss for people? Yes. And you're quite right. In in the last few years, because of the pandemic, we have gained weight. We have become more sedentary. And we have lost almost three years on our survival. This is the first time in a long time that survival has gone down. So we're doing the wrong things at the moment. I want people to do the right things. That means getting up and about, you should have between five and 10,000 steps a day. If you garden, it's easy to get that in. If you garden, you also have the joy of watching things grow. If you want to know the things that will keep you young and at your lean weight, gardening is right at the top of the list. Dancing, it turns out to be near the top of the list. Laughing is also very good for a healthy weight and a healthy being. This is called chakra therapy, according to Patch Adams. So yes, um, I want you to eat simply the foods that you can digest, assimilate, and eliminate without immune burden. Notice I said without immune burden, because many people are eating foods that are otherwise healthy, but they have immune reaction against. And there is a test, which my lab provides, but there is a test called the LRA lymphocyte response assay. The LRA by ELISA Act is the lymphocyte response assay available through betterlabtestnow.com for people who want to find out what foods and chemicals they can eat without immune burden. Yeah. I think just testing in general is kind of something that 
should really be prioritized so that you have data and you have things to fall back on instead of just guessing what foods you might be reacting to or guessing what your blood sugar levels are. You know, it's getting this data and not just once, but continuously going back to it and continuously getting tested. So you would just have an accurate picture of what's going on internally for you. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. (laughs) So thank you so much for all of this information. I am going to link to everything that you've talked about today. It's been very, very helpful. So if people want to reach out to you specifically or your team, how can they do that and where can they find you? Yes. Thank you. Dr. Russell Jaffe com is a website through which you can get a number of free downloads and information about our work. That's drrusselljaffe.com. We also have a YouTube channel, which is Dr. Russell Jaffe, and we are available through betterlabtestnow.com anywhere in North America. Amazing. Yes. I'm so excited to take a look at that website and see what tests that that I want to do. And yeah, like I said, I'll link to everything in the show notes so everyone can find you super easily. And thank you so much for coming on. This was really helpful. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. I'm glad to do it. You've been a wonderful host. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.